from Playboy Photographer to Protecting Children from Porn, The Incredible Story and Journey of Emily Gaudreau from HowToRaiseAMaverick.com here on episode number 137 of Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. Your child riding their bike around the neighborhood is 100% safer than them playing around on a device in their bedroom. Hi, this is Wendy Friesen from wendy.com, and I can help you to really use your brain through hypnosis. Dr. Brad Miller is here with the Beyond Adversity podcast, helping you navigate tough times and emerge victorious. Hello, good people. Welcome to episode number 137 of Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller here on the podcast where we help you to navigate adverse conditions in your life to achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Today, we're talking to a maverick, or at least a person who's teaching us how to raise our children as mavericks. The person we're talking to today is Emily Gaudreau from HowToRaiseAMaverick.com. And she is obsessed with teaching children and and parents and the caregivers of our children to raise healthy children who are safe from sexual abuse, particularly from pornography. And the incredible thing is she made this transition in her life from at one time being a photographer for Playboy. An incredible story we're going to be talking about here today on Beyond Adversity about how to raise your children in a safe manner and yet to have great expression in their life and to protect them so they can be expressed their lives in a way that is free from the pain of such things as pornography. You're going to love this conversation. We do a lot of this here on Beyond Adversity here on drbradmiller.com, our website. That's where you can find incredible stories of people and leaders and authors who have helped people to navigate adverse conditions in their life to achieve victory. So go there and we have a free gift for you there as well that can help you get engaged, get the tools you need to navigate adversity in your life. We like to talk to great people like Emily Gaudreau who can be helpful to you. Some practical advice, particularly if you're a parent, particularly if you deal with things which are dangerous influences in people's life, including pornography. So her mission is to lead your kids to a place where they can love themselves, respect others, and protect each other and from those who don't. They're going to love this conversation today with Emily Gaudreau from HowToRaiseAMaverick.com here on Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. Let's get into that conversation right now. We have Emily Gaudreau with us. She has the website and the podcast HowToRaiseAMaverick.com. She has an interesting background that she's a former Playboy photographer, and now she's involved with the world of responding to child sexual abuse prevention. She's an educator. She's an activist and and, and anti-pornography activism. She has a mission. She likes to call herself a maverick who brings mega truth 
bombs and to help you raise maverick children. But her mission then is to break a cycle of sexual trauma and to open the eyes of all of us about a pornified culture. She has many of her aspects of her life story that she's overcome great things in her life. We are glad to have with us today on Beyond Adversity, Emily Goudreau. Emily, welcome. Brad, thank you so much. This is um, this is going to be a good one. I'm excited. Awesome. That is great. you got an interesting background, Emily, and as a Playboy photographer and now in the crusade regarding, uh, regarding pornography. But I uh, have found that uh, folks such as yourself who have a true mission and passion in their life have had some some uh, event or some something that happened to them that they found life changing, sometimes in a really devastating negative way and sometimes in a positive way. But I just got a feeling that that's been the case with you. Can you share with us a little bit about your background and particularly uh, where you started and where you're at now and how that can be a part of Yeah. So my background, I was a commercial and uh, advertising photographer for years. I worked with all kinds of different media. That's kind of always been my jam. Um, And, you know, the story, a lot of people want, they want to know about the Playboy aspect of it. And of course it is, I mean, it is interesting, which is why I use it to kind of catapult my, my uh, work as well. The, what happened with the Playboy situation was um, it was 2008 and obviously the economy just bombed. And the first thing that goes when advertising hits, or I'm sorry, the economy hits bottom is advertising gets cut. And that was my bread and butter was the advertising market. And I got a call from uh, playboy.com to do a photo shoot. And for me, that was just yeah, like, thank gosh. I, I mean, honestly, at that point, anybody- You needed the willing, job, right? You needed the I needed the money, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and at, during that time, I had amassed this fairly amazing portfolio of people I'd worked for, and I had moved to Austin, and I was going in places like, I will clean your toilets. You know, they'd look at my resume and be like, you're obviously overqualified. What are you doing? And I- you know, I had to dumb down my resume. I mean, it was just this crazy thing. So getting a job like working for Playboy was just exactly what I thought I wanted, um, which as we know in life, <laughs> these uh, these amazing, wonderful things that are going to be so great and help us out end up being sending us in a totally different direction. So, I mean, also, you know, when we have big changes like that, it's, it's an accumulation that you didn't realize was accumulating, you know, it kind of in your pipes and your brain and your life. And for me, I was on this photo shoot and I was photographing, it was, you know, it really was one particular girl and I saw something in her that resonated in my gut and my body and my bones and really on my moral compass that this is, something's not right. This wasn't, you know, this empowered, these girls are in my mind at the time I had fully bought into the feminist idea that, you know, women can do whatever they want. And was it something she said, did actions, body language, whatever. No, I mean, it's hard to explain. And I've, I've talked to therapists since then after I figured out what it was, but it was sexual trauma. It's something uh, in 
once you see it, once you've been around it, I'm sure you've, you've seen it where you look at in people's eyes and you're like, there's something deep has changed them in a, in a big way. Their DNA has been altered. Um, and at the time I didn't know what it was, but I went home, sent the photos out, put my camera away and that was it. Mm. And it took, honestly, it took years for me to figure out exactly what that was. It was like seeing a ghost. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if your experience or not. Sometimes when I've been with people who have had for some sort of trauma in their life, I've heard the term like thousand mile stare, stare, yes. or something about a look that they have that there's a blank expression. Yeah. Or kind of an or a, a arrested development. You know, you see, you see people and you're like, why do, why are they kind of stuck in this style, physical style, music style, look, feel, vibe that was 40 years ago. Um, And a lot of that is 40 years ago, they were hurt badly. And um, yeah, so that, that was, that was my, my, that's my story around the Playboy. It's not, Oh yeah. Everybody thinks it's, you know, it was this crazy party and, you know, all this crazy stuff was going on. It absolutely, it wasn't, I mean, I'm sure that kind of stuff happened. That's not what it was. Mm -hmm. It was. In your case, this was a personal moment, more or less a one-on-one type of thing with this, with this other young woman. And, uh, and who knows what her situation is. Did you ever get given, uh, I'm going to come back around to your story for a second, but I'm also interested in the story of the people who face trauma. I know you work with those folks. Once you started getting into the world of uh, dealing with folks with trauma, I just wonder if you ever had any more connection with this person. You know, I didn't, down the road. but it was after, it was after that and just kind of understanding, um, it just, it took me years actually to figure out what I saw. I just, it was kind of like a, a, a door swung open and I, I, I saw. Now you are involved very much and you have this uh, website and podcast uh, about how to raise a, a maverick.com, which means you have your yes. own children. Yeah. Is that right? I've got, um, I've got stepkids and I've got uh, one daughter that's seven year old of my own. So we've kind of run the gamut. Mm-hmm. We were picking colleges while we were choosing preschools. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, that's hey, yes. modern family, right? That's a that's a that's a, the world we 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 live in. And uh, but what I'm part of what I'm getting at, there's a little bit of a difference between changing yourself, uh, dropping the camera, or dropping, you know, taking Playboy photographs to doing whatever you did next to being an advocate, yes. to being a you know a passionate uh, person uh, dealing with uh, breaking the cycle of sexual abuse. But it's one thing to witness it. It's another thing to, oh, yeah. you know, kind of walk oh, away yeah. from it. It's nothing to do to do something about it. Tell me a little about your story that moved you from that transition point of kind of being, okay, I can't do this anymore in terms of you participating in it, whatever form it was, to now I'm going to do something to try to help other people. Tell me what happened here. What was this transition for you? They'll tell you a little bit about that story that got you to become a passion, a passion as you call yourself. So a I'll, I'll be honest with you. It wasn't me kind of um, going, I'm going to be, I'm going to find this solution and I'm going to be the voice. And it wasn't this heroic moment. It really, I mean, very specifically, I was taking a bath and um, I just had a God moment. And I, the water was draining out of the tub and, you know, kind of leading up to this, I was a little bit lost. 
Um, I had been diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and I was like literally on my deathbed kind of figuring out who am I, who am I with this disease and how can, what do I do with myself? You know, I didn't have a career. I was a mom. I was really just losing myself and I was praying to God, you know, show me what to do. Who can I be? Like, I literally couldn't leave the house without getting sick and Let's hit the pause just for a second or a second. I just want to help our audience understand. You had what happens to a lot of folks, especially we're talking in the middle of this crazy COVID crisis. It's elections are going on, racial strife, everything. People think they have a lot going on. They do. In your case, you had change of career. You had whatever's going on with that. You had to probably just a change or loss of income or something along that line. You had a physical ailment, a colitis. You had parenting issues. Yep. number of other stuff going on. So life was stacking up these adversities and yet you had what you called yeah. a God. Yeah. So let's go there. No, no, I, that's I hate good. to interrupt. I want to talk too. about how the stacking of it is uh, adversities. Don't always just hit us like one at a time in a linear fashion. It feels like the way the world's coming on us. So how we handle right. it makes a difference. No, no, that's so good. I'm it's sorry to interrupt I'm, your story there. I'm like, I need that. Go ahead coaching around it as well. So um, yeah, I just had this God moment where it was like, what do, what do I do? Tell me what to do. What am I supposed to be doing? What's my purpose? Which anybody who listens to God knows that that's a very scary proposition to put into God's hands. Absolutely. Um, yes. Because it's not going to be what you think it's going to be. And that was the case for me was um, I was learning a lot about the sex trafficking and um, I got this message to help with it. And I mean, it's come in various different forms, but I immediately, I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm physically ill. I'm a mom. My husband travels 75% of the time. This is not, this is not happening. Um, with my history, I worked, I worked for a uh, (laughs) pornography, um, company. And I, I just, I wasn't, that's not me. I don't have the voice. It's not, it's no, not no hell. No, I'm not doing it. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. And it just kept coming back. So to use ter- certain terminology, the call was coming, but you were saying not oh, me. Yeah. Initially. Oh. You're saying take somebody else, somebody who's more, you know, more. Uh, oh yeah. Like, th- I can't I think of, I couldn't think of a worse person. I'm, I'm not a therapist. You know, I'm, I have a degree in fine art and design. I've been in advertising and marketing. That's been my, you know, I'm, how, how am I supposed to be out helping and can't hide. And it's just a matter of time before you relinquish and go, okay, here we go. So, um, yeah. And I, I actually came to the realization that what I have, the communication, the art, the design, the marketing is what most therapists don't. And, mm, and awesome. uh, I'm a communicator and that's something that they, most therapists that are kind of on the ground floor don't specialize in. And the prevention piece is not something that requires me to have a degree therapy, you know, prevention is really, really important, even though a lot of people kind of look over it and you need the skills that I have. And it's taken me a while to get my head around it, but I'm like, okay, God, I get, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Well, that this I get it. They, that's that's out of that aha moment. The uh, you know here I am, Lord, uh, such as I am, take me and use me. It's such a powerful uh, time there. And so, how do you feel like 
you had that moment. You had you've had two transition moments that I picked up on already. You had your moment in the photography studio with the model, and you had, you put down the camera. You said, "I can't do this anymore." That was kind of a moral dilemma, all this kind of thing. Then you had this God moment in the bathtub. You had these various things going on with your <clears throat> physical illness, your marriage, your kids, the whole bit. And so, tell me a little bit more about how that uh, God moment how that empowerment, that energy, uh, that there, uh, how has that, it's other than the transition itself, how does it continue to sustain you or does it into what you're doing now? Tell me a little bit about the spiritual aspect. Of you know, it's, it's, it's like free falling a little bit because once you've taken on a, um, a mission really, and you're listening to God, it's, it's like a, a co-collaboration in some ways. And then sometimes you just have to go, I am so out of my league here. And you just kind of let go and let God step in. And um, I think the one verse that I was raised as a fundamentalist Christian, and then through my youth, I kind of came in and out of it. And the one verse I heard, I memorized, you know, when as a kid, and then as an adult, you you come to it differently as lean not on your own understanding. Just I carry with it, that with me all the time. I didn't really understood. I didn't really understand what that meant, and now it's, it's like you don't get it, and that's okay. <laughs> it's all right that you don't get it. And it's all right that you don't know where you're going. And it's not, it's don't lean on your reasoning as to whether I should be doing this or anybody else should be doing it. Don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. The power, I, you know, I believe is what you're touching on here is it has to be beyond yes. yourself. Oh, yeah. You can't just, you know, you, you know, we talk about the inner life and that's a good thing. And we, you know, meditation, all those things are good things, but they are also connected to uh, drawing on a power. Greater oh, 100%. Ourselves. And so people, some in your, my case, you're talking about God and the Bible and for other folks, it may be something else, but you know, it's some spiritual aspect that helps to empower us. And I don't think you can have true overcoming of adverse conditions uh, without that. And that's a part of your story, isn't it? Definitely. Part of your story. You had the, you had the moral dilemma over here and then God came and said, okay, I'm going to use this adverse condition, this holy discontent and do something with it do something with it. And, but if you had stayed stuck there, you know, then that would have been fulfilling your. Yeah. And uh, your even, purpose. even the story you, about the playboy for the longest time, I didn't tell anybody about it. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't know how people are going to take that. And mm-hmm. it is the one thing that people are the most curious about. So it's actually leveraged my platform, just that piece, just that name. I, I thought people, there would be a lot of judgment coming back on it. And people are like, no, you actually have clout. You have the ability to speak about it because you were kind of in that environment a little bit. So give you, gives you the good the, right. the credibility and that comes in the, and that, that part of the people's lives submerged so much, whatever it is, it might be pornography. It might be drug abuse, it might be illicit relationships, it might be gambling, it could be, you know, any, you know, kicking the dog, it could be in no abusing yeah. situations. But that's a part of almost everyone's experience in one way or another, either them personally or somebody they know or some aspect of life. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it comes from a place of, you know, I'm not, I'm not judging people who are involved in that, because I, I understand, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I just had this sure. moment where the veil was lifted and I was like, oh, these, these women, 
may be here today by choice, but a choice was women or, or men, a choice was made for them. 90% of people who um, are porn stars or do pornography were sexually abused at a young age. So a decision was made for them before they had the cognitive choice um, to choose that or not, if that makes any sense. So it's, you know, um, and the ripple effect of pornography has just been, the more I get into this, I do some coaching for parents. And one of the biggest things that we deal with right now is kids seeing pornography, then acting out on other kids. So we have underage kids, as far as I'm concerned, they're, they're victimized. They were sexually abused by watching pornography. And then you have them acting out on other kids. And then you have families going, we live in the same house. How are we going to navigate this? Part of what you're talking about here is how do we nurture and develop healthy relationships in a, in a world that has just massive bombardment, either internally or, you know, through family dynamics or externally through pornography and other things, you know, internet, whatever have you with, with a lot of unhealthy stuff, a lot of just corrupt kind of behaviors, evil. And so how do we deal with that? So part of what I understand you're trying to do with the resources on your website and being a a maverick mom, maverick parent and so on is help to teach and guide uh, healthy nurturing relationships. And so to me, that's the healthy relationships though, that have true, genuine love, not some sort of a, you know, corrupt form of right. what we yeah. might call love uh, is where we need to go. So let's speak to that a little bit, Emily. Tell us how we can learn uh, how to have uh, some healthy relationships, even including aspects of human sexuality, how we could teach that and lead that and model that uh, and have healthy relationships that can lead us through this mess we sometimes find ourselves in. You like to call it the glorified yeah. culture. And uh, how do we get through that to navigate that to come out where we have, uh, you know, what I like to call peace, prosperity. Yeah, so my, what I like to teach the parents is imagine your kid is going through this forest, this wild adventure, you know, they're, they're on the Appalachian trail. They've planned for this. It's this cool thing. Good things are going to happen to them by the end of it. They're going to be transformed. That is childhood in a nutshell. And what we need to do with our kids specifically, and you know, everybody is say they're in the forest and they're, they, they need to eat mushrooms to survive and berries. And if they don't know what poison is, they will consume it. So what we try and do is teach them the landscape and go, this is poison. This is good. Otherwise they will, they'll eat it. There's no way they, how do they not know if it's not talked about? So that's one of the biggest things I like parents to do is just uh, be prepared, be prepared. What our parents, how our parents talk to us about sex and sexuality is that is like horsing cart cart and buggy or whatever compared to the fastest going 300 miles per hour. It's just way, 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 way beyond what we intuitively Mm -hmm. think we know to talk about. So having experts talking to therapists, um, you know, we were talking about how to have a great relationships when something happens, telling people in your family can be good or bad having somebody who is a professional Mm -hmm. that understands it, that can talk you off a cliff is uh, crucial. And having, having them on your phone is 
um, one of the best things, non-judgmental sure. listening. So what I'm hearing you say is this isn't necessarily no. intuitive or come naturally. We got to yeah. work at it, right? We got to draw upon resources. We have to understand that the speed of data, the speed of the internet, the speed of images, the speed of all the stuff that comes at us, not only, you know, through things like the internet, but also interpersonal in it right now, we just can't do it on our own. We have to, uh, have resources there. And so let's talk about people resources that came into your life and maybe how, if there is a parent out there who wants to be what you call this uh, a maverick parent or a uh, free range parent, and they've got that uh, teenage daughter or that preteen daughter or son, or maybe older, older than that, but you know, someone that you're trying to raise right in the midst of this crazy world. What are some of the things you're, you're doing, actually doing, you know, what are some of the, uh, uh, principles, concepts that you're doing to be helpful? So I, um, I personally do coaching and I have an online course to, to help parents. Yeah. So I have my course. Yeah. I do online coaching. I speak all over the place. Um, I'm, I do some stuff on social media and whatnot, but um, one of, one of the groups or people that really inspired me was Lenora Skenazy. And she is the one that really coined the word free range parent. And it's, you know, people kind of go, Oh, how can you be a free range parent and be, you know, so adamant about, you know, preventing sexual abuse. And again, kind of going back to the analogy of kids going on this wild adventure, it's, it's, you know, the, Boats are safe in the harbor, but that's not what they were meant to do. You know, we really Mm, need kids to go out and experience life because the mental illness that can come. And I think we're going to see a lot of this with our lockdowns and vast. And the the one, the, the one thing that if, if your listeners can walk away with anything is that your child riding their bike around the neighborhood is a hundred percent safer than them playing around on a device in their bedroom. I am not worried about your kids playing, getting dirty, getting scratched, um, abductions. That's what everybody's afraid of. There's a hundred percent more of a chance of your child being solicited, blackmailed, sending nudes, watching pornography, which is sexual abuse than anything happening to them on the street. Send them out in a pack of kids and let them be kids get them out. It's everybody's just so afraid of outside. It's a kind of a lost, that's a lost part of the world in many ways, just playing outside. And maybe they get into fights with their friends and they figure it out. And, you know, maybe they get into a little bit of trouble and they come to you and you've got to work it out. You know, it's, that's what we need. Another thing, a way to think about the internet and the devices. And I know it's hard, especially with the lockdowns, it was crazy hard. And I admit we had our TV on way more than we should have, but um, it's like opening your door and letting absolutely anybody and everyone come in. Anybody like unfiltered access. That's I'm talking people from other countries um, where, you know, the, I, I'm only saying this because I get a lot of Middle Eastern requests via my website. They, I can tell what they, yes. they've arrived at my website because they're looking for child pornography and um, teen porn or words that they've 
dialed in and they end up on my website. So they'll, I can see what they're searching for, you know, and they're savvy. They're super savvy. And your kids do not have the frontal lobe developed. Send them outside, let them climb trees. If they break an arm, they're going to survive. I'd so much rather them do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's what you mean. Just to kind of flesh out the term free range parent a little bit. It means letting your children get out to explore the whole world not just the internet world and to, but to gain, I'm hearing you also say to get some guidance, but to let there be some freedom there. And I think there is also some evidence, Emily, and you helped me out here because I'm sure you've researched it more than me, that some of those folks who are confined both for any number of reasons, maybe they just are absorbed in video games and other stuff, but other people have been confined for various reasons, religious and safety and all kinds of things like that. Uh, when they do break out and they do act out, sometimes they act out in some pretty destructive ways if they yeah. have been. Confined. Yeah. Well, I mean, even uh, if you talk to any of the co- college counselors, they can tell you exactly what happens when uh, kids are released for the first time and mommy and daddy have been mm-hmm. holding their hand the whole way. There's just not a skill set there to deal with adversity. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't, they don't know how to deal with their, the social complexities and how to change a tire and um, just how to, how to navigate life. And I always tell people, you know, you have to remember, you know, as part of, you know, the animal, I'm being a mammal, the number one job for every species is to your offspring to survive without you. And as humans, we're going to do that in the most loving way we possibly can, but they need to be able to survive without you. So um, this is kind of on a a little bit of a different topic, but teach them how to use a knife, teach them how to start a fire. You know, I, I mean, it's like, we've got this huge fear around it. And, you know, a lot of people have guns in their homes. You should not have a gun in your home unless your kids have been taken out and they've got their hunter safety license and they know that that stuff is scary and they know how to use it. Kids get hurt when they have no experience, no education, and they land upon something. That's when the problems happen. Yeah, it is interesting to witness this dynamic that you're talking about and you hear about it and sometimes you experience it personally. And my own personal experience, I have a son who just graduated from college, but just two or three years ago, he went to Europe for a summer. In order to get there, he had to raise all the money himself. You know, he did on his own accord. We didn't force him, but he raised the money and he had to learn to do all kinds of stuff. He worked, he's a, he's a vegan and he worked in a butcher shop, you know, at a, so stuff like this. He did some stuff that he really didn't like to do. And, but he traveled with some people who, and he comes from a, I'm a pastor. He comes from a religious background, but we have encouraged, we've traveled the world with him and all kinds of stuff, uh, mission trips and whatnot. So he's seen some pretty difficult parts of the world, but he traveled with some people who'd come from a religious background who were pretty cloistered. And when they got to Europe, his, uh, he had a good time there in Europe, but his friends went crazy and got in some trouble, you know, when they got over there. And uh, so he came back with some stories to tell. He had some of his own stories, but my, my point is people can sometimes do some unhealthy oh, stuff and yeah. get themselves in trouble, like what you have shared there. And so let's bring this around a little bit, Emily, now to some practical, pragmatic things that what you teach can do to be helpful to the people who are stuck or who are in crisis right now. Because we, we live in the time we're in the middle of this crazy uh, COVID crisis. People are cooped up. 
People have access to porn more than ever and other unhealthy things. You mentioned about your own physical ailment problems, you know, with uh, colitis and so on. And other people are dealing with the fear and the reality of uh, COVID-19 and other things are out there disease-wise. We have people dealing with racial unrest, all kinds of things. And of course, elections are going on. We're talking election day and there's all kinds of nutty stuff with the elections going on, stresses. Uh, tell us what about what uh, what you teach and what you do can be helpful to people, and particularly maybe a person or persons that have gone through your course or that you have responded to you that you've seen some transition that's been helpful to them. Tell us a story about somebody you've worked um, you worked with. You know, one of one of the biggest things that people that have gone through my course and then they come back and say, "Hey, this really helped out," or, or "Thank God, I I knew what I do," I you know, um, is kids are sexual beings and they will do things that will freak you out. And your mind immediately goes into like, oh my gosh, they're going to run away to the sex circus because of this or that, you know, especially when they're little. And um, it's the best thing that they said is just to stay calm and just ask kind of open-ended questions like, tell me more. Um, And, you know, I mean, this is, this is a good, I get, for, for myself, my daughter came up and she's a, she's a very serious tomboy. And she said, mom, I want to be a boy. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot right now about the gender transition. And there's this massive wave of girls um, trans wanting to uh, transition into boys. And uh, I was like, oh, why is that? And she said, I just want to be able to pee standing up. Okay. <laughs> you know, our, our brains just go... Hey, everybody's got to have a golden life, right? So, <laughs> it's yeah. like in my mind, you know, especially with the education, the stuff I do, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, here I am dealing with this on my own. And like, no, that's, she just wanted to be able to use the boy's bathroom because the girl's bathrooms are always full. What, whatever. Right. Um, it's just talking just. And you said she's seven, seven. is what you said? Yeah, she's so, seven years old. You know, and yeah. people come back and they say, you know, they had. So we don't, we, so we don't need to no. overreact either. You know, there are some parents who would overreact and say, you know, we got to do something dramatic here. And it's not necessarily something dramatic. Right. It's and, right? you know, there's, uh, there was another case where um, uh, a girl, her little girl had seen pornography at her dad's house. And the mother walked in on her and another girl kind of playing around and she was acting like she was having oral sex on the other girl, which is very much a, if that, if that happens, that's a sign that somebody has, been sexually abused that's above and beyond playing doctor that means they've mm-hmm. they've witnessed something right, right, that's right. very much an adult sexual behavior and um mm-hmm. she said she closed she said um hey could you come in and help me with something she separated the girls for a little bit and then she said she went down and this is what i tell parents to do take a deep breath and write down everything that you saw the situation who was there and how you knowing everything that you know would like to approach this because your amygdala is triggered and it scares the bejeebies out of you when you see the this happening with your child and you, sure. there's a potential to layer the trauma if you're not clear-headed. So you need to get away from the situation, make sure the kids are safe, and then write everything down, and then pull on your resources. 
it's the best thing you can do is call somebody that is not part of your family is outside of your family circle that knows some of the resources you do as well to kind of remind you, remember, we learned about this. Remember you told us this, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, okay. And even I have to do it with my daughter. I have to, I have to remember sure. it's one thing to teach it. And it's another thing when, when stuff happens, I have to go, Emily, you know what to do, go write in your little notebook and <laughs> calm down mm-hmm. and, and sometimes it's just a good just to take a yes, breath. You, you your brain is absolutely not um, geared for having a logical, kind response. You're um, in fight or flight. It's a real yeah. trigger for us. But you want to react. You want to react. And sometimes the immediate reaction is... Yeah. And you've got anger towards a child who was sexually abused. Yeah. Now, and now they're going to hide behavior from you. And that's just even disclosing when a child discloses... Yeah that something happened, um, their forensic investigators, child forensic investigators spend years and years and years learning how to question children. So they're not planting information. So if you go, Oh, did that happen at dad's house? They're like, Oh yeah, it happened at dad's house. And now you're actually creating a, you're forming a memory for them. So you, you really have to just take a step back, pull on your education, which if you don't take my course, sure. there's other courses. Um, you can learn stuff online, but definitely take the time. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's, get into, let's get into that. Yeah, so you've seen some people who've taken your courses and responded well to it and, and are responding to you that you've been helpful. So what are people going to find if they, if they go to uh, howtoraiseamaverick.com? Uh, tell us a little about what resources do you do offer and how you can yeah, be helpful so to folks. Yeah, so the best thing, I've got a couple different resources and it'll put you on our mailing list. Um, one is about early childhood behavior. If they're acting, you know, kind of the example that I gave you, kids are sexual. So what's normal and what's not. And there's a couple other resources on there. I change them out occasionally. So that'll put you on my mailing list. And then I have, when the course comes up, I do it about every three months because we do live uh, Facebook groups. So if you have questions, you can send them to me and I anonymously change the situation a little bit. And then I answer it within the group because everybody learns from everybody else's situations. So yeah, we do that uh, about every three months. And then I do one-on-one coaching when you've got... um, that usually it's in a divorce situation. A lot of people who are going through divorce and they lose control of their kids in another house and you have boyfriends mm-hmm. and girlfriends and stepkids moving in, how to navigate that can be extremely complicated, extremely, yeah. extremely tough. And it puts kids at a massive risk, honestly. Um, yeah. So work on your marriage, little mm-hmm. tidbit in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as, 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 as we like to share, we talk about adversity, you know, their adversity comes in a few different categories and certainly relationships is a huge one, including the breakup of relationships like divorce and marriage and so on. And you've touched on some of the other things. Depression yeah. is another thing you've, we've kind of skirted around a little bit, you know, got the mental health aspect of everything and you've got, you know, things like debt, which is the financial aspects and people get all wound, you know, spiraled out of the control that way disease is another one and you mentioned that you know yeah. oh, gosh. in many ways that uh, 
addiction is an addictive behavior, which is a mental, mental disease. And it can be addictive in any way. You know, I, I was, before I got on, I, well, um, I did find one resource on. and I, I just felt like maybe there's somebody out there that might need this. If anybody is dealing with a porn addiction, which is real, it's legit. Sure. Um, uh, join fortify.com. Um, and mm-hmm. I found out about them through fight the new drug, which is a, a great, great. If you have older kids, um, it's really good for junior high plus they've done a great job with making it cool. Talking about the science around pornography. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, joinfortify.com is uh, so it's joinfortify.com. People come over, overcome pornography addiction, which a lot of a lot of people, men and women, really do struggle with that. Yeah, well, it is. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's one of those things that involve a whole high degree of uh, shame and other things that's not on the surface. You know, you can if someone's well. Uh, going not too much. If someone is a, a, a alcohol addicted, you know, it's relatively evident externally what's going on. Yeah, and it's really and common. Yeah. Other things like this are not always evident. So we appreciate, you know, well, anything else you want to share with our audience here yeah. before we, you know, uh, I was, I, you know, I was thinking you about go. before anything, I came on about um, adversity and folks? what I do to kind of get through stuff. And I guess my biggest thing is, um, my, I say in my head, there's one in 10 years, this won't matter. <laughs> and then the other one is no problems, only solutions. Just, mm. okay. What do we do now? Just get curious on what your bold action is going to be to, to shift things. So that's awesome. Well, that's a great way no for solutions. us to end our conversation <laughs> with here. No problems, only solutions. That's a, that's a great, great way of putting that. So appreciate what you've had to share here today. Our, our guest here on Beyond Adversity today, Emily Gaudreau. He, she has the website, howtoraiseamaverick.com, a podcast as well. And we thank you for being our guest today on Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. Thanks so much to Emily Gaudreau for her great conversation we had today on Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. Hope you heard what she had to say about being a solution-oriented person and how you can be used no matter what your circumstances are. She had her training as a person in the arts and photography, and yet she's now transitioned in order to be a counselor and an advocate for healthy parenting. And she has her podcast and her website, HowToRaiseAMaverick.com. And I hope you heard her say that problems, don't think of things as only problems. There's no problems, only solutions. There can always be a way to find a pathway. That's what we're about here at Beyond Adversity, helping you find a pathway in your life through the adverse conditions of your life, whether it be like a death in the family or de- developing a process to, uh, to a de- de- terrible disease like the COVID crisis. Maybe you're in debt. Maybe you're dealing with depression or divorce. We've got some help for you here on Beyond Adversity. Go to drbradmiller.com. You'll find lots of great episodes of our podcast that can be helpful to you there. That's what we're here to do, to be helpful to you in your life at drbradmiller.com. Our mission, to help you to navigate adverse conditions, to achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose 
and it starts in many ways by keeping your promises. So my encouragement to you until we meet again next time is to keep your promises because there's power in a promise kept.